Welcome to Walking with Writers, a podcast about the writing life. I'm Kirsten Fogg, and today we're in a wild country suburb of Brisbane with Lani. And Lani is an artist and a writer, and we're starting in her little art cabin home, and we're going to go for a walk on her grandparents' property. Welcome, Lani. Hi, thanks for having me. And it's still hot out in Brisbane. I know, I thought it would be cooler by now. No, it's still pretty hot. So, we'll go past the caravans. I met Lani at an art store and I saw this beautiful book on the counter and it was one of hers. And she's got this gorgeous, really bright, colorful, crazy sketches and drawings. And then the whole book is a type of poetry that she's written and then collected from other people about resilience, isn't it? Yeah, I decided to, because I'm an artist and I love talking about mental health, but I wanted to get other people to contribute something as well. So the whole book's a bit of a project, really. Um, and it's just different, like a collection of ideas about mental health and overcoming things and some life stories in there. So yeah, it's a bit of a mixture, that book. Mm. And I love uh, Lani's artwork so much that I had her design a logo for my website, a writer out of residence, a gorgeous picture, and she's framed it so I can hang it up in my study and be forever inspired. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did, you, how did you get into this type of colouring and drawing? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, as a kid... Um, you know how when you're first, you know, four or five, you either pick up a pencil or kind of decide to run outside and be an outdoorsy kid. I was the indoors kid um, and I loved to read, so I used to read a lot and then that sort of inspired me to start creating myself. So yeah, ever since I was about six, I've been kind of the arty kid really in the family. Um, and now you're in this little cabin on your, your grandparents' property, which is amazing yeah. that you're in the middle of the city and we've got bushland all around us. I don't know how many acres this is. I actually don't either, <laughs> um, but it's, it's rare. Um, everything else is getting developed and this is protected. Like we are never really able to do much with this property now, which is awesome because it's nice to have land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of rare that we're only 20 minutes from the city and we're just surrounded by trees. It's lovely. And you can smell the eucalypt, can't you? I can yeah. smell that. And I just saw a kangaroo hopping over there. I don't I know if you saw that. that. No. I, I should have pointed them. it out. They, they're here all the time, like at the front. I have to be careful when I drive up. There's always six or seven kangaroos on the front lawn oh. at night. So this is the dam that I know about. So I used to come down here as a kid and would bring our grandparents' little black and white dog down here. And we used to have an old car that we'd, our cousins, like little kids, would drive around as we were learning to drive and stuff. Yeah. Um, we used to drive it all up through the trees here. Do you, do you find this area inspiring for your writing or your thinking or your creating? Yeah, I well, especially living on this property. I love it because I sit on my little patio and when it's raining in particular, it's absolutely beautiful. Like it's just the loveliest open spaces and trees and uh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. I love nature. Yeah. You can really smell the eucalypt now. Yeah. Yep. Really and like, I mean, it. if you look really hard, you might see some houses through there, but otherwise yeah. we're just basically all alone in the bush like yeah it's yeah. beautiful and it has that real dry bush australian yeah, feeling yeah that real outback kind of yes because it's been so hot and yeah. well it hasn't been dry it's been hot and humid but it's been so hot it just sucks the moisture out of everything doesn't it pretty much yep yep yeah this is all just twigs around here like look at that there's all these twigs can you see that through there 
It's like a big collection of sticks all oh, kind yeah. of... Did it just I don't know. somebody put them there? I don't know, that's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of your artwork is a little bit surreal. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. What are you aiming for there? Um, I think I get quite bored. If I, had a, if I tried to copy what I could see in front of me, like portrait drawing, for example, I get a bit bored. So my aim is to create what I can't see with my eyes, basically. So if it exists already, it's, I find it a little bit boring to just personally to draw, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something from behind your ear. It looks like a <laughs> tattoo. And I, I think you mentioned earlier you designed that. I did, yeah. Me and my best friend for our 21st birthdays, I designed both of our tattoos. Um, she got some little flowers that I'd done and I got my little pencil behind my ear just to remind me of creating and... I, I don't think I'm ever going to stray from being a creative person, even when I'm old. So. Even now that you're doing your masters, exactly. You don't think that will beat it out I don't of think you? It's going to be irrelevant. No, <laughs> always going to be there. I think. I hope. Well, but you also tie the creativity, the writing, and the drawing in with um, trying to improve people's lives. You've done a lot of tours around Australia. Yeah, yeah. I used to go into schools. I still do a little bit, um, and just talk to kids about using art to express how they feel. Um, and just as a safe outlet to say what you want to say. I think some kids don't actually feel safe being who they are and saying what they mm. actually think and want to express. And art is such a great way to do that. So I kind of see art as a tool to get a conversation going that's bigger than art, basically. Yeah. It is that's amazingly quiet out here. Isn't it like serene? Yeah. Like do you, you come? Can hear the hum of the bugs and the insects and stuff. Yeah. Do you come back here and just sit? I should. <laughs> I actually haven't since I moved to this property, which is terrible. Yeah. But no, I am, um, because I'm surrounded by trees up at my flat too, so I kind yeah. of just feel amongst it already. Yeah. But I should just bring a pen and pencil and sketchbook and sit up here. Beautiful. And in your flat, the, the whole flat is really an artist's studio, isn't it? It is now, now that I, <laughs> now that I live there it is. Yeah, there's a skylight, which is really good for natural light. Um, and it's all cabin and nice A-frame ceilings and it's high ceilings, it's gorgeous. I love it. So for me, it's perfect for art. Yeah. And basically you do your art on the living room floor. Yep, pretty much. I actually yeah. have a desk and I've never sat at it to work. No. I just sit on the floor. The desk might be a bit restrictive. It is, I think. Yeah. Should we keep walking this way or which way yeah, do you so want to go? Yeah, so if we walk down, we're going to go back where we came from. Or okay. I think the... You can hop this fence, but I don't actually think that's how. I don't think we'll hop the but fence. But there's a track there as well, but yeah, we could just loop it. It's a bit too hot to go fence hopping. I think so. Gotta move quickly. I just don't know where we're going, <laughs> yeah, if we did that. Um, and we, were, we were mentioning earlier, because we're both writers, and part of the reason I'm doing this is, is to, to hear other people's stories about the writing life. And I was asking you earlier about some of the things that you like to ask other people, and you mentioned that... Disillusionment is, is mm. a great thing in the artist's life, whether you're a writer, mm. an artist, or a dancer, probably. I, yeah, probably. I think it's a really big part of expressing yourself and being creative because there's no guarantees you're going to be understood. There's no guarantees that you'll ever get any feedback, really. Oh, there's a kangaroo. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. hop up through the way up through oh, the hills good. there. Hopefully we'll see another one. Um, yeah, I think discouragement and disillusionment is a huge part of the creative process, to be honest. I think you're right, and I think we have to accept it as such. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think to be healthy and to go forward and keep being creative, you kind of have to just accept that it's part of the process. 
um, which at the time, all you want to do is give up, I think. For me, yeah. sometimes I do. Um, but I was thinking before, I think even if I got so discouraged that I decided to give up exhibiting and give up everything I'm doing, I think I would still have to sit with a pencil and paper and draw, just for me. I don't think I could ever fully give it up. Why is that? Um, because I feel compelled to make and because that's how I process things and I, I just couldn't um, keep it to myself. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could never show anyone a picture, but I couldn't... Oh, how do I word this? I have to get it out. Like, I have to express myself on paper. Mm. I feel like I'm kind of wired that way somehow. Yes. Yeah, so it's something I can't really escape from. So you have to do it no matter what. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to find coping mechanisms with the fact that you will be disillusioned. Oh, can you hear the kookaburra? Yeah, that's awesome. And look, see that big spider web there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's like a massive spider web. That's so cool. Yeah, I think you have to just find ways to survive around that. Like I go through very regular patches of discouragement and I often question like, why am I doing this? Like, and then I end up getting over myself and I get some really nice feedback from someone or I might sell a work and I'm like, oh, someone loves my stuff. And then yeah. I feel better again and I go through it again and it's a regular thing really, but. It's a sort of up and down. Yeah. And the things that bring you up are interesting because it's not, it doesn't have to be related to money or sales. It can be just somebody saying thank you and appreciating yep. your art or what you've written. Yep. Even if I sometimes I get a really nice email and someone will say, "Hey, I love your stuff," and that even if they don't buy anything, I'm like, "Oh, it's like someone else is appreciating it. Like I love it. It's lovely." Yep. You also mentioned a story about um, about your inspiration, and we were going to talk a bit about mentors and. People that keep you inspired, because, you know, that's part of getting over disillusionment, isn't it? Yeah. Finding inspiration, reading inspiration. How do other people do it? And feeling like renewed again. Rene yes, yeah. renewed is a good word. Yeah. Yep. So I think for me, like the earliest inspiration that I can actually think of is um, my year one teacher when I was six years old. And she, it was the year 2000, just to give up my age. So it was the year of the Olympics. And my year one teacher bought me this massive sketchbook with all the Olympic um, mascots on the front, these yeah. cartoons. And she'd written a little note encouraging me to keep being creative. And like that has stuck with me all through my life as I've been making. And I actually found her when I was 19. I tracked her down through a friend of a friend. And I went over to her house for coffee and I showed her all my drawings. And I said, look, like this is what, I remember this from when you were teaching me when I was six. Um, and I really liked that I could give something back to her and just remind her that she matters and that her work matters. What was her response? She was pretty um, overwhelmed, I think, and appreciative of it. Yeah. And she'd actually showed me she'd kept some of my drawings in a portfolio, oh. even from that long ago, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, I was, I don't know if she was touched, but I was really touched by the whole yeah. experience just to reconnect and... Not everyone thinks to go out and give feedback to people that matter to them, and I think that's something important to do. So I, yeah. To say thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just not everyone gets credited enough for the work they do, especially teachers. Yeah. So I just thought it would be an important thing to do. Well, it, it takes many people to create an artist, doesn't it? And you don't arrive fully, fully in bloom and ready to go. No, there correct. are all these influences along <laughs> yeah. the way, and it's important that we acknowledge them. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, like my, my high school art teacher um, as well was really integral in that and I still keep in contact with her. How was she integral? Um, because in high school art I hadn't found my feet yet properly yeah. so I was still a bit on the fence with what does art mean to me um, and she, she's been a lovely source of motivation for me.
to push me to keep going and hey have you thought about this medium this style of art that you could do have you thought about this um, so she's just kind of constantly there encouraging me really which is really nice and so how did you get did she encourage you to use those pencil crayons that you use your favorite ones no I didn't actually use them in high school they, they're not like um, student brand they're like expensive pencils um, I bought them after I sold my one of my earlier drawings and I could afford them we could talk about this later too, but when I was nine, I had a book published that I'd written. <laughs> like, oh. I lived in a little country town and my mum like submitted it to this publishing company. And I had like a little book signing with all my little friends from school and they came oh, yeah. and I signed all their books. Have you still got that book? Uh, not here, but yeah, mum has it. Your mum has it, yeah. And I was so, I remember I was nine and I had all these little gel pens and I'd ask everyone, what colour do you want me to sign it in? And yeah. So, so did you self-publish the book on resilience or for resilience? You did. Yeah. I think for me that's the way I'm going to um, yeah, just because I have the freedom over the editing process. It does offer us a lot of options, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't get the marketing and the reach that I would otherwise get. But I don't really care, I can promote it myself. I can't believe I hardly come back here. It is pretty cool. It is gorgeous. I wonder when this tree fell down. Look how big it is. It's just that typical Australian bush, isn't it? Yeah. The smell, the sounds, everything. They used to keep horses back here when my dad was growing up. They all had a horse and they all used to have their little, like a little shed with their horses back in the day. So, Bosgra, I was wondering oh. about your last name. Do you know where that comes from? Yeah, it's from Friesland actually, oh, which is just it? a province above Holland. Yeah, yeah, so it's from my dad's side. And his dad came out here when he was 16 and migrated out. Okay. Spoke no English, didn't know anything, and started a, a business with mechanics, with cars. So that's your grandfather? Yeah, yeah. The okay. one that this property... The one that owns this yeah. property. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad they came out, though. But Holland is a beautiful place. I yeah. would love to go there. Do you find you have roots there? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of family there still that I don't mm. know, but they'd welcome me if I went to stay. And um, my parents have been over and they have good contact now with them. Yeah. But yeah, the beauty of it, I really want to go over. But you don't speak any of the languages. No, no. I wish I did. My papa, my grandfather still speaks Frisian. Like yeah. on the phone, he'll babble away in Frisian to his relatives, but I can't speak any. Yeah. No. Um, oh, that makes me think about belonging, because you know I often yeah. ask people questions about belonging, what gives them a sense of belonging. I really feel that you're actually creating belonging with what you're doing, with your artwork and your book, and the way you're, you're empowering people to express themselves. I like that. Yeah, I think I do have a heart for people that don't have a strong voice or don't know how to express themselves. So I do want to offer some kind of platform or at least give them the permission to express themselves yeah. and show them, hey, this is someone just like you who's found a way to work through things safely. Yeah. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of it like that. And how, do you have any ideas about how you create your own belonging? What does that mean for you? Is, mm. is it important? Do you know what? I've heard a quote where someone said that um, something along the lines of, you never think about it um, if you have it. So mm. I, I think I've always taken for granted that I have a family, like good family support and stuff like that. So I actually haven't in my life stopped to think about the whole concept of belonging because I've taken it for granted. 
I've, I've never actually felt too much like an outsider other than high school, you know, things like that. Where everyone feels yeah, like an outsider. That's not unusual, basically. <laughs> Since I um, met you and you were doing this whole thing on belonging, though, I had thought about it a bit more. And um, I think it's, it's kind of the people around you that let you know that you are someone valuable, whether that's your family or whether that's another support network you have. I think that is really important in belonging. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting concept. I, I want to explore it more in art, I think. I think, in, especially in the field of mental health that I'm sort of embarking into, that's going to be a pretty integral theme I'm going to come up yeah. with in my work. Um, so I think it is a topic that is going to get a lot more attention from me. Yeah. Well, you know the Wild Reading series, and yeah. Alani came to read for us at Wild Reading, and that, that um, I and some other writer friends started that whole platform because we wanted we wanted something that provided belonging to everyone. I don't know what the overall answer is in the community in addressing the idea of belonging. I think there's a lot of really good programs like what you guys are doing now with Wild Reading that sort of encourage that. It's, it's very complex though because the issues of what makes people feel like they belong or not, there's a lot of issues at, at stake mm. there. Well, and it's, it's very individual, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like it's yeah. fleeting. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And there's a lot of reasons why someone may or may not feel like an outsider. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I guess the flip side is, though, part of... I, I in, actually enjoy not belonging and being an outsider because I think it gives me a different perspective. And I think perhaps most artists feel like they're outsiders. I think you're right. I think Maybe most of the time. But I think, in my experience, I think it's a luxury that I get to... Um, sit at a cafe and feel anonymous and feel like an artist. I think that's a luxury I'm afforded because I know I do have a good, you know, family support, like I was saying before. Yeah. Whereas if I was struggling more with the fundamental part of belonging, I don't know if I would have the luxury of, oh, I'm... Because I, I do love sitting enjoying in a cafe singing, and, yes. oh, I'm so different. So, you know, I, I don't think I would be afforded that. So yes. that's really interesting. I just think this little pond I is so beautiful. I think I would so take a photo of this pond too. Look at the lily pads and everything. It's really cute. And it's it's really interesting because it's so green. Yeah. Contrasted with all this, the brown there. behind it, just because of that water. I think there's like symbolism in that. <laughs> that water like gives life. vibrant colors yeah i love that light blue that's in those lily pad flowers that really nice almost lilac-y lilac yeah no it's not quite a mauve but beautiful. and they're so tall they're sticking up a lot i'm used to lilies sitting down on the pads but those yeah. ones actually look like they have legs i may draw this later <laughs> i was thinking it'd be a good drawing probably, for you it probably will it's very can, oh you know what they're going to be jumping over lily pads there'll be like a whole family of them and they'll all be like different heights. Yeah. And they'll be running because they have legs and feet. Yeah. There's another question that I'm really keen to ask you. Because of your background, mm. uh, working with different children and art therapy and mental mm. health, I've been learning a lot about vicarious trauma because I did all these interviews last year for Belonging and naively went out and interviewed people about belonging and then heard all these stories about rape and racism and incest and anorexia and mental illness and horrible mm. things and the people 
when they told me these stories, they had reached a certain point where they had accepted these stories and integrated them, and they were incredibly resilient. Yeah. But I took it on. Yeah. And I'm just wondering how, because you've had lots of different experiences, and, and, and you're still quite young mm. and much smarter than me. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> how, do, how would you, how do you deal with this? What would you recommend? I think... For me, I'm still probably trying to figure out the best tactics to sort of navigate it. But when I was at uni, we got taught a lot about self-care, mm. which is finding your own personal strategies to come home at the end of the day. And what are you going to do to look after yourself? Yeah. Um, but for me, obviously, I turn to art because I always turn to art no matter what. And when I was doing a bit of work in child protection, I actually created some drawings about how I was feeling. Mm. So I drew myself looking at this heart in a microwave and like the heart was cooked and it was melting because... I felt so much pain for these kids that I was working with. Um, and so for me to express it on paper actually took a lot of the pain away, which was really good. Yeah. So I kind of saw it and I dealt with it and then I could look back and say, yep, I, I felt that and I still do feel that, but it didn't have the control over me. You didn't have to carry it. Yeah, that's it. I'd kind of, I'd expressed it and dealt with it in a safe way, which I will probably just continue to do, to be honest, using yeah. art to sort of express how I feel. Um, but that was really helpful. So... If I didn't have art, I'd probably think of things like, um, it's not always good to go on a shopping spree, but like maybe buy yourself something nice to wear, like a nice scarf or um, having a coffee and debriefing with someone safe that you trust, like a mentor. Mm. Um, just finding some way to try not to have to carry something so heavy. Uh, what, were, what were some of the things that you had to, some of the stories you had to deal with? Is, is there one that sticks out? The one with the heart in the microwave, is there... I, yes, I mean a lot of them were very traumatizing yeah. because there were things about you know children's behaviors after they've been abused that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. So I was exposed to a bit of that sort of heartbreaking stuff. But one one story that actually touched me, not because of the uh, the children being abused or anything, it was like a bittersweet thing. Was this? I was doing home visits with a foster care worker, and this one particular lady was. They weren't very wealthy at all. You know, they were very. Um, we were, we were taking them crates of food to help yeah. them out and stuff. Yeah. And so in my heart, I probably judged her a little bit just, just because I'm from like a privileged sort of a family. And I probably did make some judgments about, oh, this house needs clean and stuff like that. I probably did. And one day we went and saw her and took her some food. And she told us this big story of a friend of a friend she knew had passed away. And they donated all this stuff that they really couldn't afford to give away. Like, they gave away all these mattresses that I don't know, you know. This family Yeah, did. this family who, they had foster children in their care. So they weren't um, the biological parents. Yeah. Um, so they weren't well off themselves. And they had all these foster kids. And this lady obviously had a big heart. And I had sat there and judged and thought, mm, I don't know, you know, I definitely made preconceived ideas in my head about her and then I hear that she's given all this stuff away and it, it actually gave me a smack in the face I was like who am I this like 22 year old like privileged white girl that I'm coming into this house and judging this lady for what she has and here she has the biggest heart on the planet to give things that she oh, needs she, away she to somebody else yeah. yeah and I was just like I know so many wealthy people that have so much more and give nothing yeah um so that was a really interesting thing to navigate so yeah. Did you draw? Did you draw with that one? About that one? I'm trying to remember. I think I I didn't do a final piece that I put up anywhere, but I did do some sketches about it. Um, mm. And it was a bit more of like a oh, Alana, like you you can't judge people for where they're at. Like it was mm. a big learning curve for me, just a bit eye opening about who do I think I am coming in here and writing case notes about all this stuff and mm. I, you know, and then realizing, gosh, these people are good people. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just wondering, like, what is what is one part of the, the writing? Because you you write yeah. and you do a lot. Of, you're more of an artist, say, than a writer, but you do write. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what what is one part of the writing process that you you love or that you gravitate towards. Oh, okay, this is probably like a weird answer, but I actually like how the words look on the page because I'm visual. Mm. So I like really pretty looking words, which is probably a bit shallow, but words that it, I don't know if they even sound that nice, but if they look beautiful on paper, I'm happy to string them together and try and make some sort of poetry from them, which is why I like a lot of like the Beatles' really beautiful, some of their later, more abstract sort of poetry writing. Mm. I'm really drawn to that. So if it looks have, you got, pretty, have you got a few lines in your head? Yeah, I'm trying to think of um, the words from Across the Universe that John Lennon wrote. Oh, they're beautiful. It's, um, it's talking about words are flowing out and tumbling in the wind. But it's talking about how, like, yeah, basically he's visualising the words he's writing just tumbling around. And interestingly, they beamed that song into space. NASA beamed Across the Universe into space, just in case there's aliens out there, which I think is beautiful. But, yeah, so I actually think the... I like certain letters. I'm drawn to the look of like the letter A, for example, and words like graceful because it sounds nice as well. But I think it looks beautiful. So that's probably a weird thing to say, but I don't think so. so the, it graceful is would be one of your favourite words. Yeah, yeah. Just because it sounds so soft and beautiful, and there are some words that are just horrendous. Like strychnine is just a terrible sounding word. Like no one would ever like think that's beautiful. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know. I think. It's the beauty of the words and the letters themselves that I'm really drawn to, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you do this. I, um, I don't know if you've heard of synesthesia. So yep. words and stuff, they actually have colours. So, yeah, I see the words that are actually in colours. And then the letters themselves all have a different assigned colour that don't change. So I think maybe oh. part of the writing process is that for me as well. So, like, A is always red. In 50 years, it's still going to be red. L is, like, this beautiful lilac purple. Um... And like days of the week, like Saturday is always this white, silvery white. Like, I don't know, they never change. They're always that. I don't associate music with images or anything. It's just the words. Um, like months are all different colours, days of the week, letters, and then numbers as well. What colour is March? It's March now. March is like this weird mix between a purpley red. So probably, it's probably more on the purple side, I think. Yeah, like a really nice dark, rich purple. And when's your birthday? May. And what colour is that? It's a really nice, like, baby light pink. <laughs> like a nice pastel-y pink. Yeah. I don't know. And do you like that pastel-y pink colour? Well, uh, not to wear, but the drawing that I did for my May for my calendar this year, because I did a calendar with drawings, that's got the background colour. It's all that really nice pastel-y pink, so it kind of matches what I saw in my head. And yeah. what about November? I'm November. Silver. It's oh, like silver. a really metallic-y, yeah, really metallic. Yeah. Are we sharp edged as November Maybe. people? <laughs> yeah, I see November as like robotic for some reason, which doesn't make sense. But it's like a very n robotic word. I associate that with, yeah. November is a, robo a robotic word. Yeah, to me it is, yep. November. Like clunky machinery, kind of, yep. <laughs> what, what are, should we walk up back yeah. towards your, your studio, your yeah. cabin? What do you, could you call it a cabin or a studio? Oh, I, I, I haven't really got a cool name for it yet. I want to think of something that represents it because it's so pretty, but I haven't got anything. Does it have a colour? <laughs> Probably brown because it's timber. <laughs> it's called, everyone in my family calls it the granny flat because everyone in my family has lived there at some point. Like, my parents lived in that flat when they first got married. And then my auntie and uncle, because it's been in, this property has been in my family for years. 
So everyone has taken a turn to live there. <laughs> at the beginning and end of their lives. Pretty much, <laughs> yep. So I'm just at the end of a long line of people that have made it their home. Which I find interesting as well, to live in a space where all these other people had their life. Like it's the same old twin tub washing machine my mum had when 20 whatever years ago when they were first married. Does that add weight to the, the, the granny flat? Does that add oh, atmosphere? Yeah, like I find it really sentimental. I'm a pretty sentimental person. So for me, it just adds more story and character to it. I love it. Like, yeah, it's got so much beauty about it. Yeah. I think it would make a perfect place for a writer's retreat. Oh, I think you're right, like, to be honest, because it's so quiet and secluded and yeah. you can really just have your private space to do whatever you need to do and to write and to think. I play music sometimes really loud. And I love that it's got very high ceilings, so you're not restricted in. That's mm. a big deal to me, like, the space mm. I live in is a big deal. You need to have a sense of freedom. Yeah, and, and beauty. Like, that's why, yeah... Everything has to sort of be quaint or have something quirky. Like I've got a fruit bowl that looks like a hand. It's like carved out of wood and it's got fingers on it and stuff. I don't know if you saw that. I'll show you that. No, no. I'll, I'll um, take a look but yeah, I kind of just like quirky bits and pieces so that where I live is pretty and then I feel free to create. Yeah. So we're walking in towards the sun now and heading back towards... Lani's granny flat. We used to climb up on those water tanks as kids. We weren't really allowed to. Oh, gosh. But we'd jump from <laughs> tanks. <laughs> well, look the at them. They're huge. I was pretty tame. But yeah, we used to hop over both of them. Those are the big old-fashioned water tanks, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Are they still used for water now? Yeah, or? they live off tank water here, so I yeah. think they're the ones, yeah. We didn't see any more kangaroos. I know. It's a bit of a you might see some driving out. Thank you, Lani. It's been lovely. Thanks for having me.